Hi there, everybody. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. Let's just test to make sure the old microphones are working correctly. Okay. As per usual. Gotta make sure. Test, one, two, three. Test, test. A one, two. A one, two, three. A two, four. A four. A four. Seven. 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 Um, we're funny. Okay. Yes, we are. So... Shy. Yes, Shane. Um, I found out this week mm-hmm. that our first episodes of You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma. Yes. We went international, bitch. Yes, we did. We did the damn thing. How exciting is that? And there was at least one human being. Yes. In, in the UK. I love this. And at least one human being in Germany. Both. Both both countries where we originate from. Yes. Or like our... Our heritage. So cool. So, um, thank you. Uh, yes, 100%. But also, <laughs> thank you to everyone for really kind words. Because oh for these two crazies that have horrible anxiety about doing anything new or... Putting ourselves out there and it's not perfect. Right. Like, we know it's not perfect. Right. Obviously. Right. You guys are giving us life. Yes. But, uh, 100%. To, to, be, to be able to present our true selves to complete, well, I don't say complete okay, strangers. All of these people know us. Know Let's be 100% but, clear. But that some of them don't know our 100% true selves. Truth. And so, surprise, they get the very um, uh, explicit rated. uh, The raw. Yes. The not safe for work. Yes. Episodes, which let's be 100% clear. This is also me at work. Right. True. (laughs) True. And the majority of the people that are listening to at work have headphones in. But uh, it's really cool. It's totally cool that we can um, present our true, our true selves, and <laughs> and people still like us. <laughs> and if you don't like us, don't tell us. And really, don't it because it will kill us. I just, I just, just please keep that opinion to yourself. You, you know, go on about your life. I just was so excited when I saw the little map, and it was like, <laughs> um. Uh, America, obviously, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. America. Mm. Um, and then two little, two little international dots, two and I was rip-rips. like, ah, yes. "You guys, Love so much." Yeah. Anyway, so are we ready to do murder this week? Yes, because this one is going to be a doozy. A doozy. It's going to be a two-part doozy. <gasps> we gonna make a two-parter. Two-parter. Okay, so 
This is a true Oklahoma unsolved. Okay. And we're going to talk about not only the murder of this amazing woman, but the fallout after her murder. Okay. Damn near brought down an entire forensic lab. (gasps) What? Yeah. So strap in. Okay. 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 So this is the murder of Judy Weikert. Okay. And the fallout that followed. All right. Okay. Um, this one, Shy, is going to take your outdoor jogging anxiety to level 97. Okay. Great. Uh, that's great. <laughs> so I'm going to have to sh- um, carry more weaponry <laughs> with me while I jog. Am I actually going to have to get like a holster for a little An actual gun a little petite pistol yeah so i would recommend that you sharpen your knife okay prime up your pepper spray got it and make sure your personal alarm batteries are completely juiced yes because this is going to take your shit to a whole nother level oh good god okay 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 all right so like i said we're talking about the ju- the the murder the murder of Judy Weikert. Okay. So let's talk about Judy's background and what led up to her murder. Okay. Um, Judy was born in Ponca City. Okay. So in the north part of Oklahoma. And her maiden name was Lechtenberg. So I assume she's from a good old German German family. Yep. Um, She had a pretty normal Oklahoma upbringing, which... What is what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, she was athletic and developed a love for running when she was young. Nice. So in 1970, when she was 20 years old, okay, okay, she moved to Oklahoma City to work for an oil company. All right, as a lease records analyst. So shout out to all of our lease records analyst friends. We have quite a few. Quite a few. Hi guys. <laughs> In the early 80s, she met a gentleman named Steve Weikert. Okay. And they fell in love. In 1983, they were married. Okay. Cool. So Steve was known as a hard worker and very athletic himself, like he was also a runner. Um, he had been a state champion wrestler in high school. Cool. And as an adult, he owned a share of a restaurant that he helped manage and also had a love of music. So he was sort of pursuing a side hustle as a musician. So okay. he was just doing all the things. He was doing all the things. He was just a um, jack of all trades. Yeah. Or he was killing really it. really talented. Okay. So like I said, they both loved running and they typically trained together for like 10 milers and marathons. Judy... I read in one of the newspaper articles from the Oklahoman had even won a 10 mile event in Edmond. Nice. Okay. Okay. So in 84, uh, July 28th, 1984. So, you know, it's hot as balls. Yep. She's getting up early on a Saturday morning to do her long run as we do Yep. in July you have to get up before the crack of dawn. Yeah, when it's only 80 degrees instead of 130. That's right. Um, 
So she's getting up early on a Saturday morning to do her long run, her 16-miler. And typically, Steve goes with her, but he's like, nah, it's hot and I'm not interested. Thanks. So he stays in bed. She laces up her shoes and leaves the house at 7.30. Okay. So they live in northwest Oklahoma City. And she decides to run on kind of some back roads that are not heavily populated near what we know now as the Sundance Air Park, which is Sarah Road and Northwest Expressway. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So at the time, there really wasn't much out there um, between Northwest Oklahoma City and Piedmont. Now it's just basically one big housing addition, (laughs) right? Lots of things, yes. Um, So it was just like open fields and stuff like that out there in the... Farmland. In the 80s, yeah. So she sets off at 7.30. Steve's like, live your best life. I'm going back to bed. At 9.30 that morning, a woman and her daughter are driving on Sarah Road at 122nd. Okay. Which is just about, what, like two miles north of Northwest Expressway? Yes. Give or take? Yep. Um, a woman and her daughter are driving on Sarah Road and notice a bloodied woman just off the side of Sarah Road. Like, just literally off the side of the road? Just hanging out. Okay. So, the woman and her daughter stop. Um, One woman gets out, and it's Judy, Judy Weikert, and she is still alive, barely. Uh, One of them goes for help. Okay. To call for help. So, um, I mean, it's 1984, no cell phones. Right. Not even a Zach Morris phone. (laughs) <laughs> None of even that. the giant cell phone yeah but st- like how scared well at the time they didn't know what had happened now, they probably thought she could have been hit by a car but to be exactly alone yeah. another woman alone with oh my gosh okay yeah so um as one as one of the women is driving off to find help um judy being the bad bitch that she is mm-hmm. out on her morning 16 miler Tells the woman that's staying with her that the man that attacked her was a very big white man with stringy blonde hair and a big nose in a blue car. Okay. Also, he was a stranger to her. Okay. She did not know him. Okay. 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 Um, to get to the location that she was found beside Sarah Road. Judy had crawled under a freaking barbed wire fence. What? And crawled about 50 feet. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the girl is sitting with Judy. Um, Help finally came. The ambulance finally came. And she is rushed to Mercy Hospital to undergo emergency surgery. So... Despite their efforts to save her, um, she passed later that afternoon. That's awful. Like four hours later. Mm-hmm. So upon examination, Judy was found to have been raped oh. 
Okay. And stabbed 23 times. For the love. Okay. All of the stab wounds are to the front of her body, and they are all focused on her neck, chest, and face. Oh. And she so. crawled. And she freaking crawled under a barbed wire fence. Right. Um, so I think it's important to note here that the stab wounds in being focused in that area of neck, chest, and face is where all of your, you know, major arteries, mm-hmm. um, major organs, mm-hmm. everything like that is focused and it's pretty, I, I think the odds would be against any person right? with 23 stab wounds in that area. Right. 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 So um, she is deceased, obviously found to be murdered and raped. Um, after her death, Steve, her husband, is investigated, but is quickly cleared based upon the statement that Judy gave that this person was unknown to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Oklahoma City Police Department, God bless them, they went full on. They set up a freaking task force. They offered rewards. They were issuing statements to like different running groups telling women not to go out running alone. And um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So through their investigation, the the task force determined that they were likely looking for a blue Volkswagen Beetle. With a big dude driving. Yeah, with a big burly, stringy haired dude. White guy driving. With a giant nose. Apparently. Okay. So I'm not sure how they got to a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. If they were like measuring wheel widths or tire marks or whatever. But that's where they focused. Okay. And they focused on any men in Oklahoma City that were registered owners of blue Volkswagen Beetles. Okay. Okay. Good call. So during the first year of the investigation, they interviewed around a thousand people and narrowed that down to around a dozen serious suspects. Oh, wow. None of them were ever charged. Okay. During the interview process, they learned of a man that was seen in the area of Judy's attack that morning. He is described as a white male with a large nose, 20s to 30s in age, 5'10 to 6 foot, a slender build with muscular arms, Long, wavy, dirty blonde hair, a scraggly beard, okay, driving a faded blue Volkswagen Beetle, and he had a circle tattoo on his upper left shoulder. Okay, so it seems like a lot of specific information, right? Like they got a good look at him. Yeah, apparently. So, since Judy was raped. There was biological evidence that was recovered, okay? okay? And it is found that the attacker has a blood type that is found among less than 1% of white males. Oh. Okay? Okay. 
So that's positive. That's a good thing. That seems good to know. There were also hairs recovered that were available for comparison. Okay. Okay. So even with this kind of wealth of information that they have, the trail goes cold and the task force is reduced down to two investigators chasing down any incoming leads by 1985. Wow. So like within a year. Right. They just kind of were like, eh, we got to look at other stuff. Okay. Right. right. So March 1986 rolls around and the news breaks that the Weikert case has a legit suspect. Okay. okay. So the Daily Oklahoman, which is our local paper here, mm-hmm. um, breaks a story that asserts that a Jeffrey Todd Pierce is a suspect in the Weikert murder and a separate rape on the northwest side of Oklahoma City. Okay. So this is where shit starts to go down. Okay. In flames. Oh, God. In flames is what I mean. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. So in 1985, a woman comes home to her apartment for lunch on the northwest side of Oklahoma City and interrupts a burglary. The burglar is armed with a knife. He rapes her, sodomizes her, and stabs her in the arm with a meat fork. Not the knife that he's armed with, but a meat fork. Okay. Yeah. That was literally my same reaction. Okay. Okay. Almost immediately, police are wanting to link this rape with the Weikert case. Okay. For whatever reason. So they start looking into men who live and work at the apartment complex. And it's real easy to track down Jeffrey Todd Pierce because he's literally doing um, uh, doing yard work, lawn maintenance mm-hmm. at this apartment complex when the cops show up to take the statement from the woman who got raped. When the first responders show up. So he's outside. He's outside of her apartment. Okay. And they're like, hey, what about that guy? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So, um, it, so immediately they're like uh, focusing in on him and they're trying to link it to the Weikert murder. Okay. Okay. So, um, okay. So this was May 1985. Um, By February 1986, so that's, what, nine months later? Mm -hmm. The rape victim had identified Pierce from a photo lineup. And in March, the following month, he was arrested and charged for that crime. Okay? Okay. So what this is not telling us is that 
shortly after she was raped, she was also presented with another photo lineup that included Jeffrey Todd Pierce, and she did not pick him out of that lineup. But she did nine months later. She did nine months later. Okay, was she in shock the day of or shortly after? Mm-hmm. Like, That's okay. all, the, those are, that's a totally valid question. Okay. Because totally. I can see how somebody can be in complete shock and just um, block it or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 1,000%. 1,000%. So when they arrest him in February of 86, um, he is compelled to give a blood sample. And essentially they say, hey, if you'll give us blood and hair, we can... Um, we can exclude you really quickly. Mm-hmm. You can be home in time for dinner. Mm-hmm. He's like, thank God, yes. So he hands over, you know, they he lets them take a, voluntarily lets them take a blood sample and hair. Right. And he says within five minutes, they're back saying it's a match. You're the one. And that's not how any of that works. In 1986? Yeah, that's not how any of that works. It doesn't even work like that today. So. Interesting. <laughs> so what they did find with his blood sample is he also has a say, the same rare blood type that less than 1% of white men have. Oh, Lord. Okay. Okay. So this did it for them. They were like, yep, got the guy. We've got it. It ties it to the Weikert case. We're in it to win it. Done. Dunzini. Um, so as they are um, serving a search warrant on his home that he shares with his wife and two twin children, babies, mm-hmm. they seize closing clothing from his home and a knife that they said was similar in size to a blood stain on Judy Weikert's shirt where it appeared the attacker had wiped off his knife. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hairs from the apartment crime scene and the Weikert crime scene are found to be consistent by the crime lab. So it's pretty cut and dry, right? Yeah, I mean, it's making him look not so good. Right. <laughs> For sure. Right. So <clears throat> this is, to me, all knowing what we know now about hairs and blood typing and all that. This is, to me, a very uh, circumstantial case. Right. But to them, I mean, in in, 86, this was like concrete shit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In 1986, the the thought processes were a lot different than they are now. The um, Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of the word chance. I love it. I love it. So, um, that is, that is the first part. That is the end of part one. So, 
what questions do you have currently or what comments do you have currently? So I think it sounds as though they thought at first because she had lived initially and was able to give this statement that they were going to, it was like cut and dry. Like we're going to be able to find this guy. Surely there can't be 5 million big white dudes driving a blue beetle. Sure. Or a blue vehicle. Right. Um, and like, it's not going to take long. Year goes by and they're like, oh shit, this is harder than we thought. Right. Let's just, you know, put our um, attention elsewhere for now. But then, mm, the, I, them going after that, he was a what, gardener? Yeah, he was like a landscaper. Like a landscaper? Landscaping was the word I couldn't think of earlier. Okay. (laughs) We're batting a thousand with words today, Shan. We're so good with words. So good with words. Um, it, It almost makes it seem as though, oh, here's a white dude. Fits our description. It's gotta be him. And Right. Right? And so they just, they didn't think it through, but you know, who it was kno- the 80s. It was the 80s. Who knows where their heads were at? They they could have had a lot of people like really pressing them to find this guy. Sure. This woman actually survived. Yep. Surely she can give us some type of identification. But initially not pointing him out and then later pointing him out. What happened between those nine months that she all of a sudden was like, yeah, this is the guy? Well, it's funny you ask. Because I'm going to tell you in part two. Sweet. <laughs> so um, we will release part two on Thursday. Yeah, we can do that. Be on the lookout for part two on Thursday? Yeah. Okay, cool. That'd be fun. We'll leave you hanging until Thursday then. A two-parter and like one week have two episodes? <gasps> like, not you know, yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Okay, stay tuned. If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at You're Doing Fine OK Pod. That's you are underscore doing underscore fine underscore OK underscore pod.